Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. And you have someone with you today. I do. I have a guest with me. He's a medical student, Albert Wu, and uh, he's uh, just entering his fourth and last year of medical school. So I'll let him uh, tell us a little bit about himself. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Albert Wu, and uh, like Dr. Ellsworth said, I'm a, I'm a medical student working with him. Um, uh, I am actually from here, from Brookings, and uh, I was born in Missouri, actually, and moved all over the place in the country, but <laughs> Brookings is, has been my absolute favorite place to live so far. Um, uh, I go to Sanford School of Medicine. I'm a South Dakota's medical school, and uh, I'm in my fourth year. I'm studying to become a doctor. Um, I, I hope to eventually become an internal medicine doctor, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, this is kind of process. You get to try out different areas. You do clinical rotations. Are they about four weeks usually, each of your rotations? Um, yes, right? ab about four weeks, okay. but it can depend. Okay, and so you get to um, experience all these different specialties, family medicine, internal medicine, and so on. So I forget, when do the clinicals start for you? Have you been doing them for a little while, or are you just getting started on that process? Oh, no, I, uh, this is my first rotation of the fourth okay. year, but I, I have been doing rotations sure. for approximately a year. Okay, excellent. And so you're a Brookings High School grad? Yes. Yes, yeah, so what year did you graduate from Brookings? 2013. All right, very good. And where did you do undergrad? I'm at Washington University in St. Louis. Okay, excellent. So does it feel good to be in town for this month? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's great seeing my, my parents and my brother again, seeing everyone. Excellent. Is your brother um, younger than you saw at home? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Well, I'm... He's, a, he's actually working from home. Okay, <laughs> sure. Since the pandemic, he's a computer programmer. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we're all a little bit more at home than we normally are, right? And, and where was he from? Where does he work normally otherwise again? He usually works in San Francisco, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, California. All right. So he was able to work remotely from Brookings, South Dakota yeah. for his uh, job in San Francisco. It's amazing times, isn't it? How, yeah. Yeah. how that all works. That's very good. Well, Albert, thank you for joining us today. And I'm glad you get to be in Brookings and working with Dr. Ellsworth this month. That's, that's great. Well, thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, we're going to go ahead and head to our first break, which gives our listeners an opportunity to give us a call. Um, so if you have questions for Dr. Ellsworth, you may give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. 
If you've had chicken pox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth and our guest medical student Albert Wu are here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Ellsworth, you had a Prairie Doc essay this week, which can be found in Monday's Brookings Register or it can be found on our Prairie Doc website. Um, I think the essay title was Listen to Your Gut. Uh, you talk about the importance of, we kind of have an understanding of our body, and when we know something's wrong, we can usually sense that and exactly. to trust that understanding, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was uh, reminded of uh, a patient uh, uh, that I had, and of course, this happens more than once, where they know something's not right. I mean, that happens every day. And, uh, and so, um, but this patient had, over the last year had had uh, different tests and still you know it didn't really have the 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 true diagnosis figured out quite yet and um and i had sat down with her and listened and we repeated a test that she had had a year ago and then now we really did have the we had a different result Mm. and uh we had the the true diagnosis that we could get the right treatment for her okay and um so it's just a reminder of of listening how she listened to her body Mm -hmm. and uh and 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 the importance of for physicians to listen to the patient too Mm -hmm. and i kind of get into that in the article how you know unfortunately sometimes physicians interrupt patients right away and and don't let them tell their whole story and and Medical training is is quite extensive, mm-hmm. and uh, and and with that, you know, we we learn when tests are needed and when when tests aren't needed typically, um, and uh, we don't want to be ordering every test in the sun. It can cause a lot of problems and it can cause harm, mm-hmm. and you can go down the wrong road then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, during their medical training, doctors have also learned. Uh, the importance of listening mm-hmm. to the patient, and uh, and you know it's just always a good reminder for us once in a while uh, how important that is. Yeah, both as physicians, but also as as, so as, as indiv- patients, as patients, for us to listen as to people. our bodies and and just right. as husbands and wives. Yes, and <laughs> <laughs> yes, and friends and family to to listen to each other, um, and maybe we don't need to be talking. Maybe we need to be listening. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, Albert, I'm curious, uh, your experience in medical school, do you feel like listening is something that's really emphasized? Um, I mean, there's so much book knowledge you all have to absorb and take in and learn. Um, but do you feel like in medical school that listening is an important part of the education process for you? Oh, yes, definitely. I feel nowadays it's emphasized a lot more than in the older days. 
Um, we do have to do a bit of book learning at first mm-hmm. in the the first two years, and but after that, it's all pretty much all seeing patients, talking to them, listening to them, and getting their story, which I feel is a, a really great experience and really teaches you how to how to uh, how to listen to them, how to interact with patients, and I'm a, and generally I'm a just ha- just how to be a good doctor because being a doctor is just so much more. And just the, the just the science, just the medical stuff inside your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was just I mean, examining patients and like doing lab tests without listening to them, that's basically being a scientist, not a doctor. And uh, listening to patients and uh, talking to them, interacting with them, the beauty of the doctor-patient interaction, I and mean, that's kind of what makes the profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That relationship that um, you're able to establish with um, your primary care provider, I think helps us as patients be more open to sharing. Um, hopefully all of our listeners have had an opportunity to establish care with a, um, family physician or internal medicine physician or a primary care provider that, um, knows you and you're able to communicate with them and, um, feel like you can open up to them. I want to talk a little bit more about medical tests. Dr. Ellsworth, you talk about the importance of how they can be a helpful tool, um, but sometimes um, not, and sometimes they can be avoided as well. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, imaging, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, you know, it's like, why don't we just do full body MRI scans on everyone once a year? Mm-hmm. Well, um, there's always things that show up, okay. incidentally, when, you know, that don't have anything to do with even necessarily what we're looking for often Mm -hmm. and little cysts maybe cysts on the kidney little round nodules maybe in the lungs and so you find a little round nodule in the lung well those over 90 whatever percent of the time are benign and not cancerous and won't cause a problem but i couldn't tell you that 100% 100% for sure. Mm-hmm. And so then you think, well, gee whiz, do we need to keep an eye on this at least and do another scan in six months? Or do we need to, uh, and then every six months after that, well, that's a lot of radiation mm-hmm. from these scans that actually can cause cancer over time. Um, or are we going to do a biopsy? Well, if we do a biopsy in the lungs, there's a risk we poke the lung or cause bleeding or cause infection just to get a tissue sample from this spot that chances are is actually benign. And if we had left it alone, it would have never caused a problem. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this tricky (laughs) cascade of events that can happen unless we we sit down and we say, hey, you know, um, you know, when is enough enough or when is this not actually going to be helpful? And maybe it would have been better to not have done this scan that really wasn't needed to begin with. Yeah, so a helpful tool that needs to so that's exactly not, not always needed. There are tools, and you got to have the right tool for the job, and we don't necessarily just want to order every test for every, every problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go to our second break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605 692 1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available as podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. 
We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. It is important as we age to add strength training to aerobic exercises. These activities will help you build strength, maintain bone density, and improve balance, coordination, and mobility, and reduce the risk of falling so that you can stay independent and perform activities of daily life. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings about strength training and get started today. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth and medical student Albert Wu is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We have an Ask Anything show today this week with Prairie Doc. So if you have a question, give us a call. 605-692-1430. Dr. Ellsworth, it's good to always check in on this topic, but what are we uh, seeing regarding COVID in our community now? Well, unfortunately, we have seen an uptick in our community and in the country mm-hmm. of COVID. You know, it's not way out of hand, but it's uh, it's an al- it's alarming. It's okay. concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't know of anyone getting it after getting vaccinated. So it's largely the unvaccinated uh, population yet. It, some people that have been vaccinated are going to get it. Either it hasn't been long enough since their vaccine or, uh, you know, some of these were only going to be 95% effective to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's going to be some that it just still didn't quite protect them fully. But usually uh, it, it, the study showed it really was really good about especially protecting from severe disease. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be kind of a younger population because majority of the older population is already vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful. But we do have uh, some a couple, uh, in the hospital now when we didn't for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this younger population. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, w- you know, if you're not immune, you're still at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we don't know how long that immunity lasts for sure, you know, from a natural infection or even necessarily from a vaccine it can it can we're still studying that mm-hmm. but uh um so for right now we do want people to still be mindful and be careful i know uh there's a lot of things that are um you know loosening restrictions and and uh and um uh you know people are getting more comfortable going out and and doing things in groups and and uh and 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 you know in life we need a balance right uh and we need to to have people be able to go to work and uh support their families mm-hmm. and uh and for sure but uh maybe for a while we'll still need to wear masks or and wash our hands and do things that can help decrease the risk of infection mm-hmm. you mentioned um Look, could we just review with the vaccines and when we have immunity or um, when the vaccine um, takes effect? It's not immediate. It takes some time. Yeah, to you can, review usually, that timeline. We, usually we you say it takes about a couple weeks, two weeks mm-hmm. after you get the first shot till you're reaching about 50 percent effectiveness. OK. And after the second shot, then two weeks and then about, you know, 95 percent or so effectiveness. OK. So, so as soon as you get that shot, you st- it's not immediate. We still have to be a little bit more patient, too, with that right. as well. Right, okay. right. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, I'm just l- reminding people to be a little more mindful. And, and as Easter's coming up and, and uh, people are gathering in, 
in, in groups and families to uh, think about that as well. Okay, that's good. Reminder to continue to be diligent. Yes, yep. we're, yes. We're getting there. Yep. We just, let's not completely lose sight of what we want to get to here. Yeah. We want to yeah. get back to normal, but um, we, if we do too much too soon, it might, it might, uh, we might pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have a question here. Can fatigue be a symptom of depression? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, especially that fatigue where they're maybe in bed all day long and, or just really tired or um, not motivated or finding they're sleeping a lot and still not um, feeling rested. Uh, now, there can be other things going on, too, and that's something that uh, your doctor uh, may want to look into with you mm-hmm. uh, as other causes. Could you be anemic? Could it be your thyroid? Could it be sleep apnea uh, or other factors? But, you know, certainly if it d- also ties in with feeling, feeling down, depressed, or hopeless or uh, loss of interest in things that you normally like to do mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, getting pretty tearful easily or really mood swings or um, Albert, what, what are some <laughs> other things you think of with, with depression? Oh, some other things with depression that can come up are, well, there's obviously the general feeling of sadness, but a, a lot of other uh, things you wouldn't expect with depression, like I mean, changes in activity level and I mean, especially changes in appetite. Some people will feel like they have a no appetite, while some people will eat even more to kind of make their troubles go away and feel better. And another thing that can happen is that patients can have a changes in sleep. And a lot of people, it, uh, once again, it honestly depends on the specific person, but there will be people who can't sleep at all. And then there will be some people who, like Dr. Ellsworth said, will just stay in bed all day because they simply don't have the energy, don't have the the feel good and the willpower to get out of bed. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. And so those are all uh, warning signs. <laughs> Irritability as well, I'd say, mm-hmm. you know, getting angry easier. Mm-hmm. So what should someone do if they are experiencing some of these signs or symptoms and they feel like they may be depressed? What would be some first steps for them? Reach out and get help. Talk to someone and, and uh, make an appointment with, your, with, your, with someone, with a doctor, with their primary care physician, uh, provider to, uh, to talk things through and, and see, if, see what we can do to help. And what are some of the things you might be able to do to help? Yes, yeah, so um, often recommend counseling, mm-hmm. getting in with a counselor. It can really help to kind of talk through things and process things. Um, exercise is very helpful. Getting out, getting some fresh air, getting the, the blood flowing uh, can, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard when you don't have that motivation to get that going. But if you can make it happen a few times, you get that habit going, that can really help the feel-good chemicals in the brain with exercise and activity. Um, meditation and prayer and yoga and so if you don't know how to do yoga or you don't know how to do meditation uh well you can watch a video on youtube or something mm-hmm. or sign up for a class mm-hmm. at a local studio mm-hmm. whether in person or over zoom mm-hmm. uh or or check out um a, a, a spiritual advisor or pastor or priest mm-hmm. for for help there too um um and then of course uh, me, uh 
medications are can be helpful as well and that doesn't mean you're going to need to be this on the rest of your life some people stay on them they find them helpful but sometimes it's you're just in this negative spiral and if we can kind of help uh help increase the serotonin or other good chemicals in the brain that help you feel better if we can help jump start those a little bit and help get things feeling better and then you get on a positive sp spiral or a positive mm -hmm. loop mm -hmm. uh oh it, it just really really can help mm -hmm. and it takes time though mm -hmm. you know one day at a time mm -hmm. but just knowing that someone's there to care for you and help you it can can really be helpful and then there's the the 211 number that people can call for help especially if it's in the middle of the night or they want to be anonymous or something to talk to someone or if they're thinking of um, hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to call that yeah. 211 number or the National Suicide Hotline 273-TALK. Yes, right. Yeah, it's a great resource. Um, 211 is a, a number, yes, that you can call for free from your cell phone, your home phone, and there's someone there always there to answer your call and, and talk with you. So that's a great resource. And they can connect you with um, different resources too if you need help with something. Yeah, you know, and, and you might think, well, I need to get in with a psychiatrist. And, and that very well could be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, some psychiatry, some, some psychi psychiatrists are perhaps only in Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. um, and you may need to wait several months. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and really just starting with uh, a local provider is usually uh, adequate and helpful. Okay. Um, and, uh, and you don't need to wait. I'm thinking spring is coming, but it, it doesn't quite feel here at the moment. <laughs> um, it's kind of been a long winter. Um, are you seeing, um, with, with COVID and all the different stresses in our lives and the winter season, um, are you seeing that this has been a concern and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's really catching up to people that, you know, the, the lack of interaction with colleagues mm -hmm. from so many uh, people having to work from home mm. uh, and um, or over Zoom uh, and uh, the less social interactions, um, less group activities um, and or some people losing their jobs or, you know, drastically having to change their job that they really enjoyed mm -hmm. um, is has been really hard on a lot of people mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and so you know th not saying that uh, any one of those things that we talked about is gonna help solve the the underlying problem mm -hmm. you know that we still need to work on those things and that's why we want a healthy economy and why mm -hmm. we want um, to get back to normal and why we want <laughs> everyone vaccinated so that way we could mm -hmm. uh, g get in groups again and, right. and without putting too many people at risk. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we're, we're getting there, mm -hmm. but, uh, but we really want to reach out to our fellow man and, and uh, give each other support. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. A stroke occurs when a clot blocks the blood supply to part of the brain or when a blood vessel in or around the brain burst. In either case, parts of the brain become damaged or die. 
Stroke can cause weakness or numbness of an arm or leg on one side of the body or even one side of the face. It can also affect speech, language, vision, memory, emotions, and behavior. Talk with your provider about stroke prevention. Call the Vera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth and medical student Albert Wu are here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We have a question here. What is the difference between CPAP and BiPAP? Oh, yeah. Well, we're here. We're talking about sleep apnea and that mask that sometimes people have to wear at night to help uh, with that. It was sleep apnea. Your airway is getting blocked at night. Um, and, and oftentimes people will snore, but not always. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they'll pause in their breathing because it gets blocked. And then their oxygen levels can go down. And, uh, and it can be really hard on the ba- body and hard for the body to rejuvenate and then harder to fight infection and harder to get your energy level up and, and everything. And so this, this mask helps push air in. So a continuous positive air pressure is CPAP, where it's just pushing air at a constant rate. Ah, I've never put the acronym together. Okay, so one more time. Continuous CPAP. positive air pressure is CPAP. And okay. then BiPAP is when it's by, there's two different, usually two, maybe even more, uh, different levels of pressure. Okay. Where the, where to kind of help, there's a stronger pressure and then a lighter pressure and a stronger pressure and a lighter pressure. And sometimes that's needed to help uh, people at night with breathing while they're sleeping. Uh, and so that, you know, it is amazing the number of people I've seen that get help with with this and some people yes it it just cannot tolerate it it doesn't work out but a lot of times if they stick with it it will or if they try different masks there's multiple different types of masks and sometimes it just takes trying a different mask and persistence some people right away they're like wow i haven't felt like that slept like that in a long time Mm -hmm. you know some people feel like they're waking up all the time because they have to go to the bathroom but it might be because of sleep apnea Mm -hmm. um and or the they're waking up a lot for whatever reason. They didn't know it, and it was sleep apnea. And now they f- have more energy, and they feel younger. They can actually look younger. There's been studies that show really? people <laughs> look younger when they showed pictures of people that are that have sleep apnea that are and are not using a CPAP. Yes. People that use their machine were looked younger to other people. I suppose people. because are you more well-rested? You're more well-rested. Yeah. We you look know, younger when we're well-rested. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're mm-hmm. healthier. They have better immune systems. They have more energy. So then they have more energy. They feel like working out more. And so mm-hmm. then they're feeling better and they're less depressed. This goes back to your question about can fatigue be a symptom of depression? Yes. But, you know, sleep apnea is something really that sometimes can get overlooked. And we're getting better at looking for it okay and and we can do a home test now too so it doesn't mean you're gonna have to go into the hospital overnight to be monitored to check for sleep apnea we can at least start out with a home test that you you put on a couple things at home bring it home and sleep at home for it and sometimes that's enough to tell you if you do or don't have sleep apnea and sometimes that's enough to say hey we can try this this CPAP at this setting Otherwise, sometimes we have to have you come in and we kind of titrate the settings till we find exactly what's going to be best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really can help a lot of people in a variety of, of ways. Mm-hmm. Some people waking up with headaches mm. end up being sleep apnea. Some people, if you have 
untreated sleep apnea are at higher risk of stroke or um, heart attack or even dementia uh, and uh, in atrial fibrillation, the irregular heart rate. Mm-hmm. And if we get that treated, we cut down the risk of all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think at night, every ni- at night after night, if you're not getting good oxygen and you're not getting good sleep, it catches up to you mm-hmm. in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, getting treatment for sleep apnea can, can be a life changer for, for some people. Mm-hmm. And some people, at least they feel a little better. They feel a little better, <laughs> yeah. Is it important um, that you use it consistently? Is that? Um, yeah, every night. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes people feel like, oh, I'm going to go on a hunting trip or whatever, or vacation. I'm not going to take it with, with me. And then they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I did that one time, and I realized I, I, I'm taking I it with me next with time. Me. Yeah. yeah, and they have all sorts of good travel options now with those. They're portable. Mm-hmm. That uh, they're getting the units are getting smaller and easier to transport. Gotcha. Very good. Well, thank you for answering our questions today, Dr. Ellsworth and Albert. Thank you for being here as well. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, April 1st, will be an Ask Anything show with Prairie Doc host Andrew Ellsworth and family physicians Jason Knutson from Monument Health Spearfish and John McAravey of Brown Clinic in Watertown. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth and Albert Wu for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.